Welcome to Blackberry Jam Secret Stash episode supported by Ben and Jerry's where I, Lenny Duncan, and I, Leslie Mack. Man, we pull back the curtain on how jam band culture and Black liberation work intersect. Each episode, we explore stories of Black fans and envision a jam band community with liberation, love, and fish tickets by mail for all. This is a very exciting bonus episode, though. What's going on, Lenny? Well, the first thing is, it's like Battle of the Omnicron versus New Year's. I mean, and and for one thing, Omnicron sounds like the shittiest Transformer you ever got. I'm just calling it Omarion. Omari. So we're just going to refer to it yo, as... Yo, yo, yo. I hate the fact that they're calling it Omarion. For one thing, Omarion does not deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is, for me, it sounds like, because I just grow up broke. So like, it feels like when I asked my mom for a Transformer and she came home with a GoBot, <laughs> like I asked for Optimus Prime and she was like, what is Omnicron? He's just the same. And I'm like, yo, it's not the fucking same. He's a milk truck. Yo, he's a milk truck. Right? Optimus Prime's a badass. This fucking sucks. Yeah. It's like they had the, like, My Buddy dolls, and then there was, like, the My Pal. You know what I mean? Yo, like- My Pal was the worst. Or, like, how they had My Pet Monster, then My Pet Troll. Yo, My <laughs> Pet Troll or whatever. It fucking sucked, dude. My Pet Monster ruled. <laughs> anyway. But, yes, you're right. We are definitely in, I mean, this news just came out about Goose. They're Goosemith. Yo, Goosemith was, was grinched. Grinched out by COVID. And behind the scenes, I just want people to know, Leslie and I and both our partners hung out for the Eugene shows, and we've kind of been on, like, this goose fucking, like, yes. like we got to see goose, we got to see goose. Yeah, like like Schmeagle, yeah, like, find my precious, we got to see it before other people find it, right? You know, and because so many people in the scene were so far ahead of us, we definitely kind of got this feeling that we might be, like, you know, at least a couple steps behind. And then when I saw Goosemiss canceled, I was like, oh, shit. I got scared. And you messaged me right away. <laughs> I, thought I was like, um, um, listen, they better put Trey in a hermetically sealed safe. The boys better be so far away from everyone because I will not have COVID ruining our New Year's plans. Speaking of which. But I was just going to say, yeah, New York City's undefeated. Money. Money, 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 right? And they are going to find a way to get us there, right? Because right now the early research says it's more transmissible, but it's less likely for hospitalization. So you're just more likely to get flu-like symptoms and just have a shitty time than end up in the hospital if if you've had your booster. Shout out to eugenics. Keep them boosters. <laughs> everybody. You get a booster. You get a booster. Everybody. Everyone gets a booster. Don't think about what's in it. Too many motherfuckers are dying right now. You get now. your booster. Yes, we can hotep about that shit for, for the next 20 years. You could be like, that's why them niggas is all queer. Yes, brother. But that's, yes, that's why. Get it. <laughs> Let's say that is why. Great. Yeah, right. But yes. New Year's. But New Year's. But we're going. We're going together. We're going together. We're going to be there for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day in New York City. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, but it's going to be great. It is a little plane, trains, and automobiles because I'm going to be going all the way from Charleston, where I'll be with my family on New Year's Eve all the way. See, I'm just so used to fucking Babylon. Like, I like scheduled my shit so I can have two days in Philly to like adjust. I'm like, yo, give me, give me Babylon light that I know that I grew up in. Right. Give me home. And then I'll go do Concrete Jungle Babylon slash fucking, you know, Islands of Death. Yeah. It's going to be a bit of whiplash from the beach 
in South Carolina to MSG in a day. So it's going to be interesting day. I should like do a little like video something. Oh yeah. Of your little travel that day. Oh, it'd be so cute. But I am excited. I'm excited to see the shows. I'm excited. I'm excited for what the set list is going to be. Yeah. That was the gift that keeps on giving. It's like, if you're willing to risk society, I mean, if you're willing to risk your life and dance, I mean, it's fucking worth it. Right. And no, it really is, though. I mean, I, I say that jokingly, but we are really called to dance at the end of Vampires. That's truly who what we are. What else do? I, I don't know what else to do at the end the of an Empire. The alternative is awful, so. You know, the alternative is sitting in my house and just watching Reuters fucking tick the fucking, you know, the death of the fucking world. So I'm good on that. You know what I mean? Anyway, we're not just gathered here to talk about what we think the gag will be or what we think the song will be. I think it's going to be, you know, they always kind of build it around one song at midnight. I think the song at midnight is either going to be I Never Left Home or I Never Needed You Like This Before or Never Left Home. I think it's going to be one of those tunes. I think it's going to be a Trey tune because he's done it like every other year. It's been like, eh, I'm going to do what I want. And I think it's going to be like, a, eh, I got stuck in a roof and the whole world blew up. So I'm going to do what I want today. Kind of vibe at midnight. What do you think? I don't think, you know, I don't like to speculate. Oh, I know. I know that is the way of an elder. I'm just trying to have fun. Anyway, we're not here for my speculation. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be together and to enjoy, enjoy fish again. We do have a fucking really good time. Confirmed. Still crazy after all these years. We have a great time together. Even post-COVID. Even post-COVID. We're so, I'm so excited. I don't even, I'm hardly, I'm almost like speechless about this, but we. I don't, I don't even know how you pulled this off. Are I don't even know how this happened. enough to have secured some time with one Desron Des Douglas, the current and new bassist for the Trey Anastasio band. And I'm so excited. He's going to be here to chop it up with us and talk about a few things in a way that only Blackberry Jams can. So I'm excited. We'll be right back with that. Welcome back, everyone. As I mentioned before, we went to our short break. The reason why we've gathered ourselves together again is not just so Lenny and I could talk about Madison Square Garden and New Year's Eve, but because we have an amazing guest with us, the one, the only Desron Des Douglas, who is a bassist, composer, band leader, and educator who has established himself as a major force in contemporary creative music. Des is a protege of the great Jackie McLean. The Downbeat Magazine 2019 Rising Star is known for his work with Pharaoh Sanders, Robbie Coltrane, Cyrus Chestnut, David Murray, Louis Hayes, Enrico Rava, and also with piano legends Doris Cables, Eric Reed, Mulgrew Marlar, and Benny Green. How many more bonafides, bro? <laughs> he recorded on more than 100 albums, contributing to the artistry of numerous band leaders and maintaining an integral presence in the sounds of his peers, including Kayon Harold, Jonathan Blake, Melanie Charles, and Micaiah McRaven. He is an active music educator currently on the jazz studies faculty at NYU Steinhardt. He has released six albums as a lead artist and maintains a variety of projects. Shout out NYU. I just got my last check for the semester. That's yeah, what's really bur, bur, bur. yeah, that's really what's up. When when <laughs> when when education still cuts those checks, no, I'm in the same boat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> when the semester's over, you know, you finish classes and you get that last check, it's like, okay. Yes. That was worth it. That. that was worth it. <laughs> in November of 2020. 
Force Majeure, the critically acclaimed collaborative duo record with harpist Brandy Younger, was released on the International Anthem record label. And in the summer of 2021, Desron joined the Trey Anastasio band after the untimely passing of the original founding member bassist, Tony Markellis. Meditations on Faith, his solo bass improvisation was released in March of 2021. So welcome, Des, to Blackberry Jams. We're so excited to have you here. What's popping? Yo, yo, you have an album <laughs> named after the, the insurance claim of if disaster strikes, Force Majeure. So my partner, whose name you see on this Zoom link, uh, because she took over my Zoom account as soon as she realized I had one. <laughs> you know, we had been playing duo since we met in college and it wasn't really a thing that we did publicly. So anyway, we had a concert, like the first of what was going to be the first and only concert of us playing duo at Columbia in April of 2020 scheduled. And of course the crisis happened and it's still kind of lingering, but the major crisis happened. And so we decided to go live on Facebook what was originally, uh, let's just go live for our friends who were, because the concert was almost sold out. And we figured people want to still see us play duo. So we went live on Facebook. And then we got such a heavy response that we did it again the next week. And then it kind of became therapy for the both of us. It was a chance to create and create for an audience. Even though we couldn't really see the faces, it was like we're looking into a little camera. That therapy turned into a record. A friend, you know, a friend of ours who we both worked with, Makaya McCraven, label owner, Scotty McNeese from International Anthem, hit us up and he was like, listen, why don't y'all record these lives? And maybe when you're done, when you've exhausted everything, let's take a listen and, and, and see what's happening. So by the time we got to that point of exhaustion, which was, I was, I was already exhausted at the end of April. I'm like, I'm done. And meanwhile, she's like, we need to do this. You know, so by the end of June, he was checking out the live game plan. Let's listen to this. Let's listen to this. Let's listen to this. And we released it. So now it's like, was tricky, something that was very personal and boutique, which I guess every artist is dealing with people coming into your homes. I'm kind of like a throwback. I was raised a certain way, you know, especially in West Indian community. I, I don't really let nobody in my house, you know. And the art is a mask, right? The art is a mask. I know as a writer, like I present what I want to present in the way I want to present it at the time exactly. I want to present it, not like how... What the pandemic forced us to do as artists is to be like, wow, I have to talk about this human experience in real time because it feels really, really important. Not just as a uh, writer, as a creative, since we're all creatives. Right, right, right. The most important thing to us is control. And we all know when you're in your house, that's the last control. Like, the, you know, the only control you have is locking the door. That's it. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You're, you're left alone with your life and it's either going to shine or it's going to melt. I saw you here in Charlotte with Tab, and I literally was texting money. I was like, yes, on the bass. Shout out to the homie Jay Curley. He turned us on to you. Yes. Yeah, definitely the homie Jay. Me and Jay go way back. That's what I mean. And so Jay gave us, he's like, he's like, my boy's playing with uh, Tab. And we were like, what? 
elementary school sandbox. That's what he yeah. said. He was like, "That's really my friend sandbox. from way back, yo." But he was like, "He was like, yo, our boys with tab now, like, yo, yo, like." And we were like, "Okay, we believe Jay, but you know, you know how it is when you're a fan, especially fans like us. We're like, we'll see it when we believe it." <laughs> yeah, she texted me almost immediately. She was like, "But Des, I, I, I was like that. You know that meme with that cat on the computer, like just furiously typing. That was what I looked like. Yo, I got like five updates. I got more." More updates from Leslie than I got during the election <laughs> as an organizer. Like during the election, I got like maybe one a week. All right, this is what you need to do. <laughs> but like other than that, but like for you, I got like five in a night. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Seriously. You know, that was a very special night for various reasons. That was the first night that we played as a quintet. They sent the horn section home. That was also the first time in the whole experience as far as being on stage and on tour that me and Trey were that close to each other because I had been on a riser. You were so close and I could just feel it. When I did that initial rehearsal when Tony was sick, we were in close proximity like that. We kind of struck a groove just together. So when I came down there, he immediately was like, this is where you should be, you know, and and it was like a thing. I'm sure you, you know Trey very well, you know. He really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it, and we kind of locked even more. So Charlotte was probably one of my favorite gigs. You know, I have different reasons to say that this was a favorite gig, but Charlotte was was definitely up there for that experience, you know. And then someone popped one of those balloons right in front of my face. I have a photo. Okay, so I have a photo from that show. I think you probably saw it on my Instagram of that shot. And I think I shared on Twitter. I was like, you know what's in that balloon? COVID. COVID. I, it was the Yo, first Delta. Delta's in that shit. I was like- Stop popping that shit. I've never smelled anything like that in my life. Lord. Like, whatever was in that balloon, I was like, yo. And I'm like, you know, that face, that stink face you make when somebody in the elevator, you know, yeah, ate cauliflower, you know, early this morning. I was like, yo, what is that? I look at Russ, and Russ is like, just be cool, man. It's going to go away <laughs> a little bit. Yo. It's like such an acknowledgement of what you're dealing with on the other side of the stage, like the beast that is the fandom in a lot of ways. And in particular, like how shit like that, how like I know every year I'm like, stop throwing shit on stage before COVID. I was like, they're, they're trying to play music. Fucking stop it. It's not cute anymore. But other people, they love that shit. And then when COVID, I was like, stop it. You're making it so scary for us. Don't do it. I don't want to visually see how quickly this door could end. Please stop. So <laughs> You know, I had seen the balloons, but to have it pop right in front of me, then I was like, okay, you know, I mean, I'm cool. You know, I've been in situations sort of on that scene playing festivals with Jen. You know, I've seen that crowd and I've played some major jazz festivals where, you know, the clouds begin to waft on the stage. And it's usually a cloud that I would invite, you know? Right, I mean? right, 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 right. You're like, it helps you get into the groove. <laughs> You're like, okay, You're like, okay. You're like some medicines out I'm there. Sensi, you know, then I'm cool. So I'm used to that, but. This was like a different smell, you know. Some wild shit. Yeah. You know, you just got to get used to it. It's it's a part of it. One thing I appreciate about the fans is what I long for, you know, to play for an audience that just wants you to be you and create whatever you got. That's what they want, you know. That's what I came up with. You know, I learned how to be a musician for my people. That was like, you know, we just want you to be the best. And they would tell you, you know, son, Learn the word, son. That's not how it goes. You know, you're messing up. I don't know what key you in, but come on now, you know. 
Sister Jenkins is not shaking that ass, you know, so you ain't doing your job, you know. Right, that's right, right, right. It was in church, you know, it was like, son, you disturbing the spirit. Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things Des and I connected over is we were both of Jamaican ancestry and my, you know, yes, yes. where they always say like, oh, sit down, you look like you're haunted. Oh. Uh, the comment, my my family says all the time, like, why are you going? You Are you haunted? Because <laughs> yes. you got up with no destination, child. Sit down. Yes, yes. I mean, I grew up in an apostolic church and, you know, what's crazy is my mom she got saved right around the time I was like one or two years old, but she always celebrated Christmas. So this time of year, it always gets, it gets kind of weird for me. My anxiety goes through the roof for different reasons, you know, an apostolic church, you know, Christmas is considered not of. Yeah. Not of Christ. Some wild pagan stuff from Europe, possibly. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, we got to show respect. Like, like we, yeah. I've learned certain words that we've thrown around like that word pagan custom, that's a legit religion, you know? Oh, oh, oh. And here's the other thing. I practice Ifa and other things that, <laughs> that, 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 that cats would say the same thing about. I'm just saying like, that's the pejorative said about the holiday within that structure. Man, I was Nichiren Buddhist for two years. And of course, grew up around a lot of Rastas and, and Rastafari has stayed in my life. You know, you know, you don't have to dread to be Rasta, you know? My mom would always say, you know, Desmond, you you know, we celebrate God every day. That's right. Iko, Iko, all nay. I love the way the tree looks and family, fellowship with family and football, you know. So this is my favorite time of year and I've definitely been blessed. I just want to ask you a question and, and it's kind of a sensitive one. So I don't want you to feel like it's, it's kind of a gotcha one because I don't want to come from that direction. But Tony, for a lot of folks, was like an anchor to that band in a lot of ways. Tony is Tab. Right, right. And so allowing, you know, it really allowed Trey different jumping off places than the one Mike provides in best part of the fist dynamic. And also Tab has like this intergenerational conversation going on between, I would say, almost exclusively academically trained musicians like yourself. So like this elder of this particular community is gone. And so I guess my question is like two part for you. How aware were you of Tony, Mike, and say some of the other influences in jam band music? You already said that you were kind of a big fan of the scene. So, you know, who were some of the big influences for you? Truthfully, my introduction to the jam band scene was Dave Matthews band. Yeah. Like I was a Dave Matthews head. You know, I'm from Connecticut. I grew up in the, the sports scene. So it was a big thing whenever Dave Matthews came to the Meadows Music Theater, whoever lost the Hall Connor football game showed up and was ready to smash heads in the parking lot. It was a dark thing that we did, you know? So I got hip to Dave Matthews that way. I mean, you can, you can go back and research all the riots that would happen when Dave Matthews band played in the 90s. Cops with rubber bullets. It was like... Yeah, like Lollapalooza on steroids or something. Yeah, Exactly. This is in Connecticut, you know, in the hood, right next to the jailhouse. The jailhouse right next to the Meadows Music Theater. That's where Keith Murray was for like 10 years. Anyway, so Stefan Lassard, you know, with Dave Matthews. And, and it really wasn't until I met Jen when I got to college that I even knew who Fish was because we became tight. You know, we were playing. And then the end of that year... She was like, you know, I'm going on tour with Fish. And I'm like, who's Fish? She explained it to me, you know? So you met Fish in college like every other fucking fan in the world. 
Yeah, that's when I, that's when I, you know, exactly. That's when I got aware of them. Now, Tab, the only time I really heard Tony's name was when Jen was talking about him. And I really wasn't really familiar with Mike's playing. Through Jen, I got familiar with Tony. Jen would always say, you know, you remind me a lot of Tony or Tony reminds me a lot of you. She's like, I can't wait till you two meet, you know? Oh, wow. Jen was really the shining light in all of this. You know? Well, Jen's always the shining light in most of it, in my she, opinion. She just, but, shines. <laughs> uh, yeah. she just shines. Yeah, yeah. Jen is my favorite of the band. <laughs> I, I hate to I hate to tell you that, Des, but Jen has been my favorite for a long time. Listen, man, she's been my favorite since we met. We'll be right back, and I know we got a couple more questions for you, and then we got to let you go. Cool. I felt so many things I did not say. The real idea of being a musician or a bard or just doing that thing and being in that place is that, you know, we can all, you know, if you have the skills, anyone can can step into that place and go there with that team of people, right? And have that conversation and continue that conversation along. And so it really speaks to that. And, you know, I was just wondering if you knew, you know, because that leads to my second question, like, did you have a real idea of some of the heaviness you were stepping into? And if you did, what was that transition like, right? It's a big transition. You're out of quarantine. You're on tour. Well, I'm out of quarantine. We don't know if we really should have been out of quarantine. Mm, Des, I mean, Des, it, it was sort Des. of like the last band member standing tour. So. Literally, I was, well, well, hold up. So I'm not sure if Leslie told you, but right after Radio City Music Hall, I went and got tested and I tested positive. Oh, no, I did not know that, man. I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm so glad that you're here to have this conversation with us because of the disproportionate rates. Well, I had no us. symptoms at all. You know, I grew up with terrible allergies. My allergies got worse as an adult. I live right next to Central Park, so my allergies are just jacked up. And I've been dealing with them from the beginning of August. Trey's protocol was pristine. You know, we tested every four days, every four or five days, especially after major cities. and I tested negative the entire tour. My partner was like, I don't know how you did it. She was like, you literally willed COVID away from you until you played the final note. The last four days of the tour, I felt better than I felt the entire tour. I was working out every day. You know, I would post my, you know, I've always posted my videos just to hold myself accountable, but I was, I was getting at it. I was sweating, feeling good. And so from teaching at NYU, you know, of course I knew they were going to test me. You know, so I was like, well, let me take this test before I take this NYU test, just in case. The pre-test, yes. Exactly. The pre-test. I went straight from Radio City Music Hall to quarantine for two weeks in my own city. Brandy wouldn't let me in the house. She lysawed the door down. I'm like, yo, I didn't have one symptom, you know. Well, Not- you should be fine in that hotel then. You should be real. <laughs> Everything should be cool over there then. Holler at me in a couple weeks. It took me down a dark alley, man, because, you know. The whole idea of quarantine, it's cool when you're home, you know, because you ain't got to go out. It ain't cool when you're somewhere else. When you're somewhere else, especially in your own city, then it's like, okay, I'm doing this for my fellow man because I didn't have one symptom. So then I'm like, you know, by like a week later, I was like, man, fuck my fellow man. Yo, don't scroll Twitter. Don't scroll Twitter when you're quarantining. (laughs) That shit will have you break quarantine with the quickness. (laughs) Yo. I had to get off all social media the one time I like, I had one scare. 
after I got back from the summer and I had to get off all social media because they would have had me just walking around like coughing on people by the time. Like, these motherfuckers don't care. Fuck them. Like, you know what I mean? It had me mad, you know? Like, it had me mad. (laughs) Man, between my Giants losing, you know, the Yankees losing, all happened happened in that first two weeks of October. It was like the first two weeks of October was the worst two weeks in New York sports. So I was like, I had no silver lining. Well, well, as a Philadelphia fan, I got to tell you, that was actually my silver lining. But, you know. It happens. It happens. Bravo. Bravo. That's all we get. That's all we get. We just get to watch the people crush us go down. (laughs) Two corn here, two corn here. Oh, man. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. We'll have some fun with that. We should do an Eagles-Giants game together. Straight up. Man, you know, I have, I just wrote this new tune called Philly Homes. You know, I started this new quartet in the pandemic and, we have a record that's going to be released in the fall. I'm actually releasing an EP for the fans in April. There's some things that I think people might really like, you know. I'm not sure if I could play a little snippet of something here for you now. Yeah, you definitely can play a little. So we love it. You want to give us a little sneak peek. We'd love to hear it. That's so exciting. Uh, you So EP coming out. Yeah, yeah. So, so the EP is just to pretty much introduce... Uh, the, the my audience to my new quartet, you know, the members. And then and then the, the, the record is kind of different than the EP, you know, but we do a lot of different shit. Tell them the name, at least. The what? name is fire. Can you tell them the name? Yeah, right? what's the name of the track? Tell them the name. The name is Alligator Po' Boy. So the whole tune started with a bass line. I called up Joe, the drummer Joe Dyson. I was like, man, you know, I got this tune that I kind of wrote for George Porter. I actually spent, because of Jen, you know, Jen knew that I was like a George Porter fan since I was like 12 years old. I knew every meter song at like 13, you know? Right, right. So... I was in New Orleans in like 2010. I was there for like two and a half weeks, almost three weeks working with Delphio Marcellus. And I called up Jen and I was like, I got to meet George. I know you're tight with him. Can you hook something up? She was like, yeah, of course. So she hooked it up and I hung out with George and his wife all day. They took me to a Parkway Diner. We're sitting there and I sang like seven of George's bass lines to him. You know, I was really like, you know, just expressing mad love for George. And so his wife was like, what do we want to eat? And so George is like, you ever had alligator? And I'm like, nah. And she immediately was like, we'll have three alligator pole boys. Hell yes. (laughs) Hell yes. I love it. That's where that vibe came from. But also it puts me in mind, obviously, you know, you've been working, got off tour. You've obviously been recording, been working with this new quartet. This is a tumultuous time. What has it been like being a musician and creator right now? More than ever, every day when we wake up, humanity in general, every day when we wake up, it's really a chance for us to right our wrongs from yesterday, 
say fuck it and try to be the best we can be today, you know? And more than ever, we have to think about tomorrow. You know, everyone's always like, tomorrow's, you know, not promised. We actually saw that. We live a tomorrow that we had no clue about. You remember how you felt this day last year. It's a completely different feeling. Completely different feeling. And then you think about how you felt December 2019. It's completely different feeling, you know? So I feel like we've been in like three different decades already in three years. Me, I've I've never really had a sense of urgency until the beginning of 2020. I've been in a mode of giving of myself to everyone and, and being a part of everyone's artistry for so long, so long, that when 2020 started, I had finally had some things on the book for myself, you know? I was literally, you know, I had different projects. I had I had a rock band called Black Lion where we were doing a lot of electric stuff. And I, I had spent 2019 pumping that band. And every we got a great response in New York. And there was just a lot of brightness ahead for me as an artist and, and leader. And then the pandemic happened, you know? So it kind of hit me hard. And I, I did my best to stay positive because, you know, Music is my love and music is my passion, but I have a lot of other sides of me that keep me sane, like sports, you know, like art. I'm a weirdo. I like different shit. I like to find humor in everything. There was ways that I was able to keep my sanity. But as soon as I was able to get back to what I wanted to do, and of course, I produced my partner's debut for Impulse. You know, I also... Did some recording with Robbie. I produced a record for Lewis Hayes and, and played on all of those. I was I was going back to my normal route of putting myself into everyone else's art and vision with the fact that as soon as I'm done with this, I'm a fly. I'm like, I'm gone. And then I got the call from Trey. That was completely out of the blue. That snuck up on me. I remember I'm sitting on the couch. It's like 8.30 in the morning. I had no clue that Trey even knew that I was a morning person like that. You know, I'm a coffee head. My grandfather gave me my first sip of coffee at like three, four years old. I just sent Lenny a, um, a whole bag of Blue yeah, Mountain Yeah, we coffee. ran through that Blue Mountain so fast around here. And my partner, my partner's white, so she was like, why are you hiding the coffee? I was like, just don't touch it. <laughs> I was like, just don't touch it. It's serious. It's serious. Trey calls me and to be honest with you, at first I'm saying to myself, oh, this is something that Maybe I don't have the mental space for this right now because I'm I'm just now like my partner was like, are you sure you want you ready for this? I literally just started this group. I was focused on writing a lot of music and I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling good about myself, about to put my shit out there, you know, and get my shit strong, you know, and, and we got time to get it strong. Trade calls and the human in me, the seer of the big vision, I'm always looking at the big picture. The big picture of things was, you know, I was like, I felt, I felt the strong need to whatever needed to be done to keep this vibration as strong as it is. Because the tab, tab, Trey, aside from his, what he's created with fish, Trey's vibration is very important in this universe right now. He's right up there with a lot of the major band leaders and artists that I've had a chance to create with. He has a quality and his vision that he's putting together something special. And he uses his platform on a high level. 
I'm glad I have my sunglasses on, and I don't know how many episodes you've listened to, but that's like literally the gospel I've been preaching here and how important it is for us as fans to bring that best energy up to that. At this time in human history, there needs to be people dancing, whether it's the end of an empire or not, we dance. Exactly, exactly. Go down dancing. No, right sure. and exactly and I, and I'm here to to stand with all the bards that are going to sing those songs all the way to the end and that's something I've believed in in my core you know as a fan I've dedicated my life to that because I know that there are people on stage who've dedicated their life to doing the other end of that equation I I'm glad I have my sunglasses on so I ain't got to cry the first time we fucking hang out that's what's up <laughs> I pre- I appreciate that I made a solid move for myself this morning it literally became a thing where Brandy was like this is something you want to do. And I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time for me to do something that I want to do. And I felt the urge and the need to, I love Tony and I love Trey, you know, and, and for various reasons, you know, he's taken very good care of Jen and she's my own girl. You know, like I'm talking about like, that's my girl, you know, Yo, don't tell me about your divine. Don't tell me about your God. Show me how you treat his kids. Show me how you treat God's kids, and then I'll know how do you treat how do you treat people. And then Russ and Ray, those are my homies. I mean, I've known them forever. We've we've been on some bandstands, you know. So I really felt like okay, I've actually done my absolute best, and I've given a lot of myself to all my current band leaders that I work with. I eventually made those phone calls, but I was like, let, let me do something for me. This is something that I want to do. And if if people that rock with me don't understand then you just don't understand. If you really rock with me, it should be nothing new. You know what I'm saying? Nothing new. And that's exactly what it was. You know, when, when of course, when Tony passed, shit got really real. You know, I made the phone call to Ravi. I called Lou. I called all the band leaders that I'm emotionally invested in. What they create, I'm a part of what they create. And so all of them, it was like 100% was like, Hey, man, I'm happy for you. You know, about time you took a walk down this lane officially. And just like when I've always joined a band, I always say the same thing. Work with me and I'll work with you. You know, I've been raised by militant people and I'm militant about my schedule and my regiment. You sing my song as a creative. That's it. All my band leaders were like, you know, whatever you need to do, when it works for us to work together, we'll work together. Yeah, no, that's what's up. Yeah, no, you're singing the song of my people. Work your ad, grind. The song is called Grind. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do this all night just to be perfectly frank. And so we'll definitely have to have you back on, especially once the EP comes out, if we're I'd love to come back continuing more. to record by then. But where can folks find you and follow you? So let's make sure everyone can just hear that off the rip. You can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Dez Thought, like Black Thought, but D-E-Z Thought. On Twitter, um, Douglas Desron. They made me spell my name backwards. I didn't like that, but that's the only way it was going to work. On Facebook is Desron Douglas. You can find me there. That's pretty much it where I am. I'm not on TikTok. I don't really rock with it like that. But I will be uh, on January 1st. There's a club. My, my quartet is playing at a beautiful venue called Chelsea Table and Stage. After party. It's a pre-show. It's a oh, pre-show. It's a pre-show. So, now, I don't know if you are aware, Lenny and I are both going to be in New York on January 1st. Come through. We can talk. Hit me up. Come through. Doors open at 4. We, we're going to hit for like 75 minutes. And it's it's like a 5 to 10 minute walk to Madison Square Garden from this venue. The space is incredible. It's beautiful. It's in the basement of the Hilton Hotel. The owner, he's a fish head. Diehard fish head. So 
you know, I was playing there with my partner. She had a show there. And as soon as I walked down the stairs, he was like, that's right now. I'm like, hold up, man. You know, you know wait, wait a minute. I don't know you, G. You know, I'm like, that was the that was the main thing that I had to get used to, you know, with the fish fans. Different culture. Yeah, like also we're all just nerds, so they nerd out. They know everything about you now, Des. They've deep dived. Yeah, but you just don't approach a person like that. That's what I'm saying. You know, you know, like where I'm from in the hood, if someone called out your government name, they better know you. Who you know, is like, you? Or be or be arrested. Call me One out or the like other. They, 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 they either have cuffs or your cousin. One or the <laughs> other. What, what you got? There's been a couple times in New York, more than a few times in New York, but you know, specifically when we were in Philly, you know, I'm coming out. I just got man, I never under my own will have gotten a pedicure. That's not even in my thing, you know, but because I this whole domestication thing. I get pedicures all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm hit to it now. I like it. But I got one, you know, I got one in Philly. So I'm coming out and I'm feeling kind of, you know, I'm hiding. You know, I don't want no one to know. See me walking out the joint. As soon as I take two, three steps, Desron, I'm like, hold up, man. I, you know, I, I went in, my, I'm like looking around like, who the fuck calling my name? I'm like, what? And the cat came across the street. I'm like, who the fuck is you? You know what I mean? He's like, I can't wait for the show tonight. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I'm glad he said something because, yeah. you know, it was about to go down. <laughs> like, I'm in Philly. You know, you got to understand. It was like right after the fuck around, the find out was coming. And depending on where you were in Philly, too, like, I, you know, for me, like, Market Street was sketchy as fuck when I was a kid. So because if you're walking up to me on Market Street and being like, hey, what's up, bro? I'm like, what? I'm, I'm holding my wallet. What? The fuck, right? Exactly. You know, like <laughs> you know, and I live in Harlem. Oh yeah, know? people people think it's nice there too, but it ain't. We acknowledge each other. We always have. Yes or not? If y'all could have just saw all three of us, yeah, it's cool. We ain't gotta yeah. talk. The universal nod. The the <laughs> exactly. What up, G? You know, yeah. we didn't even gotta say all that. You know, yeah, exactly. Like when you pass someone at work and you give each other that look, where it's like, are you like across the room in the whiteness, and y'all just look at each other like, ah, oh, fuck, and y'all just keep moving. That's it. That's 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 all I need. I don't need anything. I don't even need to know your name, bro. Honestly. <laughs> you know, I appreciate this. You know, there's fanatics in Japan when it comes to jazz. You know, I, I remember, vividly remember getting off a plane with Cyrus Chestnut. And they treat him like Michael Jackson over there. And literally people crying. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm like, do y'all really know this cat? You know, like, this is my homie. Like, crying like damn Cyrus what you know you know this is my one of my first times in Japan he's like say bro it's like that over here they know you know so 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 do your best when you're on the bandstand you know because they're gonna remember you and and I have fans when I go to Japan I remember that first time I hit the stage there the notes I played how I sound people that can tell you man you sound much better than you sounded 10 years ago and I'm like well you may know something you know <laughs> you may know something you may have been paying attention <laughs> Like, that's the point. We always, we, you know, we strive to get better every day and to re-respond back to what you asked me because I really feel like that's a question that we should be asking ourselves every day, Leslie. As humans, if we do our best to keep a high level of humanity, I really feel like we will have no regrets at the end of anything. Because if you're keeping a high level of humanity, that means you're thinking about your own self-care, you're thinking about your neighbor's self-care, you're thinking about the globe's self-care and how it all wraps into one. Every living thing has a purpose. Even if you have to, even if something has to be sacrificed, you know, New York is a heavy vegan culture and I respect that. You know, 
I respect that culture. You know, I, I grew up eating one kind of way. And then when I was Rasta, I began to appreciate eating another kind of way, you know, and, and taking care of my temple. But, you know, I just fucked up some oysters. So, you know, <laughs> that's what it is. But everything has its purpose, you know. Well, Des, we're going to let you get back to the rest of your evening. Thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk with us. Thank you for reaching out. Jay, you the hookup. Shout thank out you to Jay Curley, per usual. We shout Jay out on here. And thanks for understanding why we send Leslie first. She's like the... <laughs> <laughs> she's the Ford operating unit and then and then she's like oh and then I got this other motherfucker but he's alright <laughs> man listen man, I did my research on the both of you we cool we cool alright alright I just want to thank you for coming to the show for real for real you really were like a real uplifting moment for me this summer your presence with the band and what you brought and uh, I just want to personally since I never get the opportunity to thank People who are either becoming my heroes, like musically, or like playing with my heroes, or or like part of that thing, I never get to thank you personally. So I just want to thank you personally for that, man. It means a lot to me. It was a, it was a critical time for people like me. I never knew I needed you like this before, man. <laughs> I feel you. It's therapy. It's therapeutic. The vibrations at every show were received and reciprocated. You know what I mean? Like it was like this exchange. Des, don't go anywhere because there's so much more to come. <laughs> I'm here, you know, I'm not, you know, like I'm looking forward to uh, the next vibration with Trey, James, Natalie, Ciro, Russ, Ray, and Jen, you know, is I'm looking forward to that next vibration. All right. So we'll tell Jen her ultimate crush is always just, just point me out. If you see me in the, that's me, that's me, that's me. Listen, I'll, I'll start carrying Jen signs out there. Listen, I'll make it real easy. I'll be like, Jen, yeah, you know, uh, Lenny's out there, wants to say hi. I'm going to be like, yo, Lenny, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because that's how it would be. Because that's how it would be if I introduced you to someone I love. I'd be like, he's great, which means we need to watch him. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Trust me. Yo, yo. All right, man. Peace and love to the both of you. And have a happy holiday. I'm kind of speechless, which is very rare for me, as folks know. But thanks again to Desron Des Douglas for joining us. I cannot believe that interview even happened. It was stellar. It's everything we've been talking about all season. And I don't think we have anything else left to say except for uh, thanks for listening to Blackberry Jam. Brought to you by Ben and Jerry's. We are brought to you by the good folks over at PRX. And we will be back or we won't be back. Who knows what our future is? Who knows? But hopefully you enjoyed this bonus episode.